0: Welcome to episode 13 of season 3 of LOI Weekly with Johnny Ward and Daniel McDonald sitting opposite me. Dara Doyle is in studio and we'll talk to Neil Horgan on Skype as well. Um, we've actually heard from Neil earlier on. We will play that interview very shortly um, about everything that's going on in Cork and uh, Neil decides to go into a very interesting kind of tangent at the end of it which we'll uh, we'll talk to Dara about as well. Uh, Dara, thanks a million for coming in. Long for town, absolutely flying um, One thing that doesn't seem to be mentioned at all your assistant manager, you've conceded two goals this season and it seems to have gone over the heads of many people.
1: Yeah, I mean it's it's been a great start for us, only conceding two goals since the season started um, We've really improved on that front with some of the players we've brought in. I think Connor Kenna and Anto Breslin who's come in as a young lad got released from Wolves and I mean, he was knocking around towards the end of last season when he went up and trained with Rovers. He came in and did a couple of sessions with ourselves towards the end of the season. Um, and it was a bit late at that stage to do something. But as soon as we knew we obviously were obviously in the job for this season, he was a player that we targeted to come in at left back. And I mean, he's been superb for us, along with um, Conor Kenny, who's come in and added experience to our defence. I mean, it was much needed last season. Um, with our back four, we we did lack um, that experienced player through the middle and the spine at the back. And Connor's really added to that this season, and it's been great. Jared,
2: we will we'll we'll hear from Neil Horgan shortly, and, and after that, we'll more so go into a bit more Longford season so far and your own story. But the weekend you were also up in Derry, you were up at the it was a, it was a what was it? It was a Ryan McBride related event. Was it soccer sixes or what? Yeah, was the, the event? Super Sixes. Super Sixes, yeah, yeah. That's right, yeah. And you were with the PFEI team. And tell us who you were playing against or who you what what the gig was up there.
1: Yeah, I mean it was a superb occasion. It was um, organized by the Ryan McBride Foundation. Um, it was a six-a-side so tournament with four teams on up in the Brandywell on Sunday. Um, you had the Czech Republic national team, which had a number of internationals and players. that few so
2: talented players.
1: Yeah, very much so. Um, you had Derry City, and then you also had Celtic that had come over. And uh, ourselves, obviously, with the PFOE select team with players from Joseph and Dow to Stevie O'Donnell to Conor Powell and Alan McNally, with a number of Gary McCabe was, well, was involved as well. So there was, we had a squad of um, eight, unfortunately. Joe Gamble and Killian Brennan uh, weren't able to make it for, for reasons that they had. So we had an eight-team squad up there. Not over a the bad weekend. team
2: of players, though, you had. And Celtic had Paddy McCourt involved, or was he with the Derry team? No, he yeah. played with Celtic. Celtic. Um,
1: yes, and you had Simon Donnelly, Tommy Boyd, um, Mark Burchill. Um, so there was talented players on that side, and we played them in the first game uh, up there, and we, we got a 2-0 win in that game and then played Derry in the second game, um, and that, that game ended up 2 all. But it was, it was a great occasion up there, and the work that the foundation do up there for the yeah. young people and the community in Derry is fantastic, so they put that on as just something that they can do to provide funds to help the community up there in Derry and... Memory of Roy McBride, and it was a great occasion. Who was your Who was
2: your standout player then? Come on, give us the, uh, give us the, the player ratings there.
1: In well, on our side, Gary McCabe was was very good for ourselves. He still got very good feet. Should and he should still could, be playing good, in the
2: league, really, Gary McCabe, in normal circumstances. Yeah, I, mean, I was
1: be. asked that question over the weekend, and I agree. With you. Gary was a young lad when I, when I played at Bray Wanderers. He was an winger hmm. back then, and he was excellent. He used to give fullbacks nightmares back then. Uh, he matured more into then as he, he continued to play in the league into a midfielder and. Listen, he done really well in the league. It's just unfortunate that I think Gary's thirty or thirty-one mm. and he's no longer playing in the league. Now, like I said, he did have a good career in the league, but you'd have hope that he really had another couple of years to kick on. But you couldn't have
2: a word run there, could you? Uh, well, like, well, like
1: I say, I think last year we actually did yeah. make, make contact with him when I think there was a few issues at Bray and there was talk of um, their players being allowed to speak to other clubs and um, I think we did drop a little message Gary's mm. way to see um if, if it was the case that he would be interested last season during the window. Um, it didn't happen, but listen—if you don't put your name in there, you can't. <laughs> you don't know.
0: You know, you can't
1: win. You know. Yeah, exactly.
0: Upstage by his sister of late, and fairness, but um,
1: yeah, he was actually talking about uh, one of his other sisters. He plays for Kilimanjaro under twelve. Me and Gary are both from the same place in Talla. We grew up in the same estate. All oh, right, you're from the same um, neck of woods. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, um, it's, a,
2: it's, a, it's a as an area overall, it's got a great history of uh, producing players.
1: Yeah, no, it really, does. like even from. My age group, you had Keith Foy and Graham Barrett the year below me, and they had a pretty successful Killemanna side. Yeah, um, there was other players over the years. Keith Italy. Foy was some. What's some, he up t- to now? Actually, some left for Keith is the manager of the Killemanna senior team. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. So he's actually married to one of my good friends' um, sisters. And right. Yeah, yeah. They're, they're still living in Killemanna. Keith Foy.
2: Last year they had a they had a reunion for was it two years ago. did The reunion of the nineteen ninety eight team. Uh, the, the under 16 European champions in the soccer writers actually at our annual dinner we we, we, we saw the tail end of the their reunion the F- they've F- been uh, they've been, been, been out for the entire day <laughs> and uh, keep fine now I mean uh, like uh, you know, as people would say, "Kifo for a big man." His moves on, on the dance floor, <laughs> even at a, at, a late, at a late part of the evening, were still very nimble. Like it has to be yeah. said, you know. So, uh, yeah, God, it's such a talented group of players. And Kevin Grogan was on that team, and quite Kevin a few Morgan, others. So yeah. that's all your age group then, like they broadly were, yeah, your they're they're below
1: group. And I think um, Desi Bourne and Michael Desi Doyle. Jesus,
2: another character. He was probably your, yeah. he was probably running the running the nightclub door yeah. list at to be fair. No, I've
1: known Desi since I was I I moved to Cherry Orchard at, at under tens, and I played with Desi right the way up. Yeah. At Cherry Orchard. Then the character. age group changed and he dropped down. What's he up to nowadays? Everything. <laughs> <laughs> We've only got an hour So i have him on next week. Yeah. <laughs> We've We've only, got I'd, an hour. I'd still speak to Desi pretty regularly and uh, it was only last week he was he was seeing some of his Snapchat stories. He was in soccer AM for the rehearsals with Jimmy Bullard taking free kicks out and uh, oh. John and Arisa outside and he was at the PFA Awards last week. So Desi still, I think, has, has his finger in a few things. Is he over. working as an him. intermediary? Is he doing a bit of that? He or? had been doing bits of that. And then he was also, listen, he was doing a bit of acting, and Desi would do bit of everything one like of the great characters character. one of the great yeah, characters good friend of mine yeah, yeah. yeah. It's funny you th- seem more of
2: a stable individual yeah. Derek compared um, to some of the people that you know Or do you have a dark side here that
1: would ah, be
0: telling. <laughs> <laughs> we'll tease it out it's funny uh, a guy used to work with Dennis who's a bit like that he puts his hand to in everything including acting he texted me yesterday to come to, uh, to try to put a couple of teams together for uh, an Astro tournament a fundraiser for a charity cancer charity in June so maybe the two of you will be available for that and we'll put some sort of a team together there you go John yeah. is this an
2: on air recruitment thing it <laughs> could be yeah. He's asking for listeners to text in if they want to be a the part of this. Well. More,
0: the more teams the better. More details next week. All right, okay. Um, and the Astro tournaments are great fun though to be fair. And the people you meet as well. Probably people you played with back down the years. And the, the Czech team must have been interesting.
1: Yeah, no, it really was. Um, I mean, they had some players that have played four, five, six hundred games at the highest levels in Europe. They wow. had internationals with 80. Um 90 caps, they had a, a centre-forward, his name at the top of my Some of see, the names, was, a, was David Lafana or David Lofan Yeah, like the, and I mean these, the all-time top scorer in the Czech league, and you've yeah. had lads that played for Zenit St. Petersburg for seven, eight years and have played at the highest levels in Europe. So, although one or two of them may have been a couple of years older than us in the PFEI squad, you really could see the quality in the Czech team. I mean, they, they probably done a job on us in the last game. All we needed was a draw against them, and... Um, just in seven minutes, we were actually four 0 down.
0: <laughs> I know that story. Yeah, just in terms of Derry as well. Um, Ryan McBride's passing was so tragic, but if ever there was an example of trying to get some good out of something that was so bad, that it's it's a, it's a, it's an amazing community up there, obviously. But it's really seemed to galvanise them, and they've, they're
1: they're doing so many positive things from it. Yeah, no, they they really are. I think his his family, his father, his sister, his his good friend Gareth, who um, does a lot of work for the for the foundation, the work they do, and how it affected the community up there and, and, like I say, the the whole suddenness of exactly how it happened from going to bed one night and the the next day no longer being there. It's, I mean, it was heartbreaking at the time for, like I say, the character that that Ryan was and what he brought to the league and what he brought to the Derry City team as the captain and I think how we pushed him along, particularly at the start of that season where they'd had a great run and I think it just had a huge, it had a massive effect on the community up there and it's good that something like this can come from... Something so sad that happened.
0: One of the big results from last weekend involved Derry City, um, an incredible two-all draw up in Dundalk. Um, but the game I was at was actually at Daly Mount, where Cork City met Bohemians. A game that was very much um, overshadowed, I suppose, by the change of management at Cork City, which involved John Caulfield uh, departing midweek after the one-all draw against uh, Finn Harps. And then an interim uh, management team of John Cotter, uh, Colin Healy and Alan Bennett c- coming in. And this was the main thing that we talked about with Neil Horgan uh, earlier on. Neil, how are you keeping? Good, Johnny, how are you? Yeah, we're good, we're good. Um, It's been a crazy uh, week or two for Cork City. Um, Were you surprised at how things developed? And um, I suppose how much of a boost for everyone was it, just uh, winning in Bohemians as well um, last Friday, getting back to winning ways?
3: Yeah, it was a big boost, I suppose. You know, John Cotter coming in. I suppose uh, when a manager leaves, there's always kind of uh, a pause as to what's going to happen. And... John's come in with Alan Bennett and Colin Healy joining the staff, and and the players really delivered for him last week and for the club, and it's it's a real boost back to winning ways and and well needed as well if you know what I mean.
2: Neil, were you surprised by John Caulfield's exit?
3: Um, no, I would say I, I suppose the timing of it may be a little soon for me. Um, but if you said I was surprised, I, I'd say no. Um, I think. I I was at the Finn Harps game, Cork City drew a home to Finn Harps um recently and there was something lacking in the performance and this was coming on, on the back of, you know, a lot of bad results in a row. And you just felt that look from from the from the talks about, you know, John's view of in respect of budget cuts and and the, and the club's view it seemed to differ in that. Mm. And and I just I it just felt like things were, were, were people were moving in different directions. Um, so, so I wasn't surprised um, that it happened. I'm probably surprised that it happened so early, but I think you know what people are moving. John's going to move on with his career now, and um, there's an opportunity for Cork City and John Cotter to bring his own, you know, style to, to, to the table.
2: It's funny, Neil, when you've been on before, we've spoken about the, the books that you've done, and um, I, I always make the point to people uh, when you're talking about a manager and a change of style or a change of voice in the dressing room and I always thought you explained it quite well in terms of between Pat Dolan and Damien Richardson now this is, I'm not not comparing it, but you described like the intensity of how Dolan operated and it was, you know, very effective and it was successful, but it almost just came to a point where people just need a different voice, it's not a reflection on the voice that was there it's just a reflection on there's an intensity, there's a way, and maybe it just comes to a natural end. Now, this is just my opinion. I'm not projecting your no, opinion to this.
3: I think it's a very good point. Uh, yeah. and I'd agree with you. Sorry to jump in, Daniel. Like, I, I think Mourinho is the, is the best example of this. It, yeah. Most of the time, you you get three years with Mourinho and he wears you out. Like, it, you that's what it looks like from a, apart from Man United. Um, but but Pat Dolan, I suppose he was so intense, and uh, you know that when David Richardson came in that time back in 2005. It was a release for the players after, you know, you're just hearing the same voice. And as you say, it, it's no reflection on the manager. John had John Coughley had been there five years, which is the longest stint, uh, you know, consistent stint anyway, unbroken stint of any Cork City FC manager. Um, I know Rico might have, you know, had two stints at the club. I'm not sure what that amounted to. But John had been there the longest in one stint. And, uh, you know, it, it, you know yourself, you're listening to the same person five years in a row. Maybe that comes to a natural end for, for both parties as well.
0: Yeah, and in terms of um, John Caulfield's future, where do you think he will go, Neil? Um, and what will his legacy be like at Cork City?
3: Well, his legacy—I mean, from a manager's point of view—is is unblemished, and I, I, and I do think, in that regard, you know, maybe if it had gone on longer and and he didn't turn things around, you know, maybe it could have been tainted a little bit. So I I think it's unblemished. It's 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 up. It's the best. It's, you know he's got the best record of any Cork City manager. Um, FC manager, like since the club was founded in 1984, um, and and b- best record by 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 a long shot in terms of consistent performances and winning the double, and you know no one else has has had that four years of kind of second place, you know, um, or, or or winning the title and, and four cup finals in a row, um, so so in terms of the manager, what was your second question? Yeah, where might he go next? Where will he go next? Yeah, it's an interesting one. You know, you've seen managers like um, I suppose Stephen Kenny is a good example. Um, I think Stephen probably benefited from a time in Scotland, even though his time in Scotland, uh, you know, didn't work out fantastically for him. I I think he, he's come back and, and, and now he's he, he, I think Stephen Kenny benefited from having full time experience abroad. And when he brought it back to Dundalk, and and even with his role in the Irish setup now, it, it was under his belt that he had done it abroad. So it, you know, I think John should look abroad. Um, I think you know England, Scotland, I suppose is the is the traditional roots, and and you know, um, maybe League One or you know Premier League in Scotland. Um, why not? You know, I mean, his record alone. Like if I went to a match. This was before Brian Barry Murphy took over um Rochdale. I went to watch Rochdale play um a, about six months ago and Brian Barry Murphy was actually on the coaching setup at that time and he got his tickets for the match. But anyway, long story short, um I, I was thinking of Caulfield at the time, and I was like, John could do a job here. Now, thankfully Brian Barry Murphy has uh, got the, did the role pretty well, there. yeah. he did did pretty doing well fantastic. Yeah, he's He's got the modern relegation, he's doing unbelievable. But I, I think John could do a real a real job there, you know, at that level.
2: The suggestion, I, I mean, I was having a discussion with someone the other day, and it wasn't like an information based discussion. It wasn't like, have you heard he's doing this? It was more of a general chat. But they were even suggesting the American route as well. There's something he could yeah. look at too. Um, and Jimmy McGuinness well, has got a job is, over there, you know, and he's got some a, American connections, he's, doesn't he's,
3: he? He's born in Chicago, John. Yes. Yeah. So, so, yeah, I mean, th- th- absolutely. I, I would say you know Jim McGuinness and and there are multiple levels I I mean the MLS I suppose under the MLS is probably more reasonable that you get into the league below or you know the the USL is growing USL yeah yeah. Um, MLS I think is is quite hard to get into as a player or as a manager from League of Ireland I I know that myself (laughs) anyway um, I think Is there a story there
2: you're not telling us there Neil? Oh
3: no it's a fully uh, Colorado Rapids period I had uh, out there one stage um, sort of worked out, sort of didn't. Um, yeah. and I came back to to a better contract at Cork City after a trial period over there. Oh, right. okay. but, but, but what I'm trying to say is that I suppose there's not that many when you look at the Irish players going over there, or even where Jim McGuinness is now, they're not really in the MLS, they're in the, 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 the guys who do very well get to the MLS. Um, and I think. You know, I'd say John's route would probably be, possibly, be the league below and prove himself, or the separate league, as as it were, and prove himself. And then, and then, you know, I think look, he's got loads of options. There's not many managers around that has has he loads of options on Does he like
0: has he loads of options?
3: I, I think he does. If if you're looking at record and you're looking at you know, um, statistical victories, I think on, a, on 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 that alone, he's going to attract. Like I, I don't know any ma- manager. Personally, you know, in the League of Ireland, who's had, has a record like John, mm. I, I don't. And I, I, I'm looking back, and it's just because it's gone so well up to this year. Um, literally, I'd say his statistic win the win rate or whatever they do, you know, is unbelievable. It's off the charts. Um, so. So I, I would imagine he does, you know. I would imagine he does. I, I imagine they look into that. Obviously, they, they, abroad they probably look down upon you in the League of Ireland to some extent. But they, you know, they've shown that they've taken chances with fellas too. Yeah. Um, so whether it's age problem. yeah, hearted.
2: Age might be a slight problem with that. That'd be my only maybe my only yeah. slight fear in that respect. You know, but I mean, but he, yeah. I'd say John. John would screams! <laughs> oh, and listen, and, and 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 put him into a room with people. I'm sure he could convince yeah, them that pretty pretty quickly. But it's it's getting in and the actually, door for the interview in the first place. Getting the in the door for the
3: interview. Once yeah. once he gets in the door for the interview, I'd say he'd be blown away. From he actually reminds me. And I know it sounds a bit mad, but we watched Liverpool last night, and obviously Klopp's passion comes across. Not I'm not talking about football style here or anything, but I think John's forte is really his passion that that he he kind of and 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 that was kind of lacking this year if i'm honest mm. uh, whatever happened with the club a little bit john wasn't the same when i was watching on, on the sideline and i think i think he has that effect over players when he's passionate that, that, you know, is really kind of, uh, you know, if you're a player, you kind of go along with it. It's, fa- it's fabulous, you know.
2: Just going, well, well let's look forward for Cork City then. I mean, they've they've brought Colin Healy or, you know, they've promoted Colin Healy and, and Alan Bennett maybe, yeah. you know, into, into this role. And I saw Alan Bennett certainly on the pitch on Friday um, having a little moment with the fans after. And you could sense what it meant to them. So, so what do you what do you make of the structure there now? It does seem like John is going to get a chance, but obviously he doesn't have the the, the requisite badges. Um, you know, you've got you've got two people behind him there who probably will be candidates in their own right in a, in a certain mm. degree. So, what what do you make of the structure that's there? I think on an interim basis, it makes sense. I think leaving John
3: Carter there, who knows the players and actually has a brilliant CV himself, a very similar CV to in terms of management to John Caulfield when he came in in terms of winning uh, Intermediate Cups with Avondale um, who again are in the Intermediate Cup final next week a very successful club both John and John Cotter and John Caulfield both kind of jumped from Avondale to Cork City and have done really well I think John Cotter deserves his chance in in, in terms of John Cotter versus John Caulfield John Cotter probably didn't you know play he played with Cork City with me um, but only for a few years he was a very good player he doesn't have the the, the CV that John Caulfield had as a player, in, in terms of Alan Bennett and Colin Healy, um, great guys, great guys to have in the club. Absolutely brilliant professionals, and um, two former internationals, right? So, so I think as a starting point on an interim basis, that's fantastic. You ha- you have your pro license issue. Um, I think Lisa Fallon has a pro she license does. at the club. Yeah. Um, so whether you know the, the way John Gill and is structured in, in Dundalk. I, I, who knows? I think they're going to give an. From my view, from the outside, is that they'll give them a chance, and give this structure a chance, and, and then make a decision probably at the end of the year, um, assuming that the, the the good results continue. And I and I do think they have a chance of with this interim group of actually making Europe. You know, if you look at the table, despite everything that's gone on, they're only because it's kind of early. It's fifteen you know, fifteen games in. They're only nine points behind Derry, who are who are in fourth place. You know. Um, nine points isn't
0: isn't a lot like
3: um, the way overs
0: are going so they could win the league at the moment. <laughs> <laughs> She's Johnny, you've changed on, your team pretty quickly. <laughs> yeah. um, just on that O'Neill, the, the three lads, um I was actually talking to one of the car players on Saturday and he was very complimentary of the three of them, just how they, they, they spoke to them before the game or that. But it, it almost seems to me like it might be a, a genuine three way process yeah. where they're they do actually really work together and it's kinda like um I don't know whatever the equivalent is of a joint manager when there are three of them involved, but like the three of them seem to almost have an equal role. Or maybe I'm just reading into it wrongly.
3: I, I don't know. I, I, I'm assuming that John Collar is, is the is the top man, mm. if, if
0: I'm honest. Um, he spoke with a lot of um, kind of self-belief after the game as well.
3: Yeah, I, I would assume he would be, Johnny. I, I would assume he, he he's the one with the authority really to make the decisions and that he will be <laughs> taking it. Obviously, like... John Cotter, you know, has more management experience than the two lads, but the two and it'll complement them because the two lads have unbelievable playing experience, particularly Colin Healy, uh, you know, playing in Celtic and multiple caps, but also Alan Bennett, gone through all the leagues in England, and in, is an international and, and played with Cork City for so long and in, in different periods. Um, so it's a, it's a good team, you know, it's a very good team, and do you know what it's. I think it's symbolic of the way the club needs to go um, and the way our football is going with League of Ireland clubs bringing players back in, you know, and, and in fairness, the underage structures has allowed that to happen. If Alan Bennett and Colin Healy weren't at the club, as, as you know, I think Colin was the overall kind of underage uh, manager as such. Alan Bennett was involved as a player, but also he's, he was involved in the under-13 setup um the new the new under 13 team then then i don't think that this would have occurred you know i i i think you would be you wouldn't put your 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 neck out to contact these guys that wouldn't have happened in the past you'd end up possibly without that kind of experience so it, it's a good thing i think let's see how it goes they'll certainly have the fans behind them and at the same time, it it's great to, you know, to, to let John Caulfield go into his next thing with, you know, an outstanding contribution to Cork football that he's provided both as a player and as a manager.
2: And Neil, just one last question before we let you go. I mean, yeah. I saw you, you were actually tweeting recently about the broader picture in Irish football. And again, to go back to like Second City in particular, you touched on uh I suppose you, there was an overlap maybe between some of your broader statements yeah. and your hopes for the future of, of Irish football. And, and I think you obviously highlighted that recently that you'd, you'd almost written about this before some of this had come to pass. And maybe there's an opportunity there now. I mean, what's your take on it from, from, from your standpoint? Well, I think
3: there's a huge opportunity there and it's high time for change. We've been, we've been asking for change for so many years. I mean, the likes of you guys on the, this podcast all the other podcasts have really helped this I think you know and social media in general um, so I think I think it's high time for change this is an opportunity that, that we can't let pass us um, and I think hopefully we'll get the right people involved and and this chance may never come again you know
0: mm. Yeah absolutely And uh, Neil thanks a million for coming on and um, hopefully you enjoy the rest of the season with Cork City and things are on the up Thanks, Johnny. And Johnny, by the way, I'm interested in your views on um, the All Ireland League. I think you've kind of gone into that before yourself, listening to you. Yeah, um, well, sure. Like, I, I think it's come like it's a complete no brainer in theory. Anyway, I, I feel we've had this debate. I'm kind of coming to a- around with Dan in terms of the ten team league being a good structure at the moment. But I've spent a fair bit of time up the north. Um, the cup final yes. on Saturday. There's like five and a half thousand at the game. I know there were two relatively small clubs, particularly Ballina Mallard. Um. You know, I I think the Brexit situation is just such a kind of a, a head scratcher in terms of what happens. Yeah. But um, you know, if you could bring in, imagine how much an all Ireland league would benefit Derry City, not to mind, and um, the fact that the the structure and the roles in this country mean that Dublin and Belfast are basically two hours apart now. Absolutely, um, yeah. I, I I'm in, interested that, I, you and I think that I up. was
3: listening to you guys the last week. You know, trying to come up with it. You know, with ten teams or a lower amount of teams that ups the ups the level of quality. And I think, you know, it, it, you can do that with northern teams and and you'd have less. You could have seven teams from the south and imagine, you know, five teams from the north. Then you have a really strong um, level, you know, in terms of every week, high level of, of players. And I think that that would be the right amount of teams um, with the right amount of quality to move things forward. But obviously there's a million, there's a million.
2: You know, yeah. We'd love to Bridges, talk to you about asking, it again. Or, or, yeah, you know. because like it's... Yeah, it's, we talk some other Yeah, time. I think yeah. that the broader picture in Irish football at the moment at that board and structure level is is trying to get... There's an element of trying to get Turkeys to vote for Christmas and I think yeah. with, with this debate with the Northern Irish aspect there's an element of trying to persuade people to sacrifice themselves for some bigger prize, you know, because um, mm. from my experiences of Northern Irish football in terms of even going to gigs and events, and listen, we have our tribalisms down here too, so we're yeah. in no position to preach we do. Uh, our we little do. fiefdoms. I mean, in fact, that's a massive story in, in, in everything that's going on in a broader picture, but it's, it's particularly entrenched up there to some degree, and I, I don't know how you get the buy-in. From them, without mm. sort of threatening to some kind of independence and tradition that they have, but yeah, um, I think like,
3: I think maybe one of the things you might think of would be that you 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 just make sure that we're talking about a league here, you know, not not absolutely. a national team, absolutely. you yeah. know, and I think I, I think one of the mistakes that I've seen in the past made by, be it I think John Delaney who kept mentioning a, a possible United Irish team soccer team That's a total I, I just thought that was problematic completely yeah. and, and not, not not at all on the table in terms whereas you could envision a league um, that you know that suits both jurisdictions really and, and, and embraces soccer on the island you know um,
0: just to clarify we did bring you on to speak about John Coffey you know? <laughs> 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 we'll solve all the world's problems on another day but they're all very valid valid debate the right points as well Neil. All thanks,
2: thanks, thanks a million thanks for thanks coming
0: lads, on. Cheers. cheers Neil take care talk to you soon bye mate. right Dan we, we, we'll uh, we we'll get to um, as the politician used to say I'll get to your first question later but on to your second one basically let's firstly talk about the all-Ireland league stuff I think uh, actually. you want to talk about that first yeah I think so okay.
2: darables, I mean, I don't know what because this has come up again in recent dispatches, the, the prospect of a of an all Ireland league. Um and I, I as I touched on it there with Neil, like my my gut feeling has always been that there might be just too many obstacles north of the border for politically to happen, and then there's European places and, and and how they would be divided and are you you know, are you are you effectively cutting you know, eight European places into four, and then that's taken X amount of money out of the clubs in, in that regard. So I'd have slight, slight reservations about how realistic it is. But as a concept, what do you think of the idea?
1: Yeah, as as a concept, I think it's something that would work. Um You talk about the difficulties, unfortunately, but I think when you talk about this subject, there is more difficulties than, than anything. Um, mm. you've, you talked about there with the European places, you talked about two governing bodies with the IFA and the FAI, and the people in jobs and positions within both of those boards, and and, and um, for them to come together and be able to put one league together and not be, like you say, self-serving for the FAI yeah. or the IFA, I, t- I think it's it's just beyond, unfortunately, at the moment happening. I, I can't see it as much as I think it would be a good idea. The European place and the funds coming in from money, un- unless you had a massive sponsor that was able to back it. That's, which, a, fair, which there th- would th- that's a
2: fair point. I mean, in some sorts of compensation for it. Mm. But like You're probably more positive in this, John, are you?
0: I'm hugely positive. like. But the point I think you're we're made, all positive about yeah, it, actually, the, but in You the might be more pragmatic. It, like yeah. My experience of, of talking to um, fans from the more traditionally so, so-called Protestant clubs in the north is that they actually resented how badly the Southern teams were supported when they came up in the Santa Cup to the north. And they were like, Glyntoran fans would say, we travel in huge numbers to Bray and Longford. And clubs from the south brought hardly anyone up here. And I thought that was interesting. They showed more interesting going down south than we did about going up north and this is from like East Belfast and Linfield but speaking to the we did the vox pop to Glenn Thorne fans last year it was overwhelmingly positive maybe it's not a bad time to discuss this because the FA is, uh, FAI is in such a mess everything I don't know is up
2: for discussion now do
0: you know what I mean yeah but I think in terms of the sponsorship that Dara's talking to, like, about like there would be a huge clamour to, to, to sponsor an all Ireland league and um, I've no idea nobody knows what money SSE or Trist are putting in because of this confidentiality or whatever but if you were to say somebody like um, with a kind of an Irish brand like Jemison or Guinness or something like that, particularly, um, something like that anyway. Yeah. They, you can sponsor all league, I don't know but how it
2: works. You look at the MLS, right? MLS has a Eastern Conference or a Western Conference. Or I think that's the division of it. And if, I don't know, like if, if there's any way you can maintain... I was even see it with north and south with some of the underage leagues and so on, if there's any way you could retain some kind of traditional Well for example. So you retain say, the Irish Cup and you retain the FAI Cup. Well
0: not even yeah, not even say if you had like a sixteen team at a stretch maybe, Premier Division, and then your two regional First Divisions, which are like wouldn't be much different to the two First Divisions we have now. Um, I don't think that'd be a problem, but the, 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 the issue of travel to me is all, all but dead at this stage. Like, travel's not... A, you travel know, travel is, it's, it's all about summer football versus winter would be an issue and in terms of the marching season as well, stuff like that. <laughs> I think, Dan, though, I think the biggest... July 12
2: derbies would be an interesting oh, issue yeah. the whole thing. But, you know,
0: like... Rover's going up to, I, I remember saying this to Dave McWilliams when I saw Linfield fans up with the Union Jacks in Talla, and he was going, marvellous, brilliant, love that. Like, cause it was an unbelievable, albeit toxic, atmosphere in Talla that <laughs> night. But the games of like the Linfield, the, I was at Linfield and Glen Thorn last year, about 5,000 out of midweek. Um, I, I think the biggest problem would be Blazers, to be honest.
1: It's breaking away, I think, from mm. the FAI and the IFA. Yeah. That, that mm. would be the big issue. And the Blazers and what, losing their... Well, their power, essentially, mm. really, isn't it? Yeah. Um,
0: but it's something, I think uh, Neil, Neil hit the nail on the head there. I've no real interest in an all-Ireland football team, un- short of there being a United Ireland. That's not what motivates me at all. I think United Ireland League would, would have huge potential. Cause, yeah. Do you know what I mean? You'd have Clentorne and Linfield are massive but clubs. The, the
2: problem is you don't... You do, like you have the odd case of clubs playing across borders, including Derry City being being very obvious close to home. of City um, playing in England but as well. They, yeah, but there's different... I mean, there's not different, not different, across different the border. Different, different, uh, I mean, you know, th- 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 there'd be a lot of uh, similarities between parts of Wales and England, you know, to say the least. Um, so, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I don't know, like, how feasible... It, I mean, you do hear general debates about the Champions League being turned into more of a regular uh league and you know the the, the clubs the top clubs maybe looking to break away from their own domestic leagues and at some stage in the next five to ten years does that mean that the traditions that we know it are going to be reshaped even if you start to change entry level qualifications into european competitions then does all that stuff but european places become a bit you know is it up for grabs mm. in the midst of it maybe so um I just I'm, I probably have a more of a skepticism about how real how realistic it is and also as well like you mentioned about the Santa Cup and stuff it's actually trying to get people like a lot of people in the Republic of Ireland haven't been to Northern Ireland I think we've discussed this before it's, you know, it's figure, and for, to, to actually convince people down south that you know that Linfield, Dintorin is a is a sell relative to say a Rovers Bows game or even a Rovers Cork or Rovers Dundalk or Bows, whatever it might be. I actually think that's a challenge because we don't because we don't. We don't. What we we have different media. We have different newspapers. We we mightn't know the characters and the personalities in such a way that it's actually attractive. It's great to bring in crowds, but we don't necessarily know the players and the characters. And I just don't know. Michael Connor. Now, of course, that's no reason to give up. I mean, you might have to build it over time, but that means it mightn't be a roaring success straight away if but you are sure that
1: players would. If, if it did happen, the players, players would, would, transfer would transfer across. across. So that's over, very true. That, yeah. that would happen. Yeah. But Follow it, the it's, sterling, you
2: know. You it, know or, depend, or depending on what the exchange rate is in a given time, mm. you know. But yeah. it, it
0: is, it's disappointing because you don't really, if you're a young player, I remember speaking to Gerald little lately and saying it's frightening the talent from the young players up the north, but there isn't really a proper industry there that, that, that is developing, I think, in the south in terms of professional football. like There's no Shamrock Rovers, nothing approaching that in the north. Like, And most teams are part-time. And um, most, if most good players have to go to um, to Britain, and I think that's unfortunate for them as well, because I can not see the Northern Irish League ever really taking off because of the population.
1: Mm. Do you know yeah, what I mean? It's just difficult. I know some underage teams have gone up and played Limfield's underage of 15s and 17s. and the League of Ireland teams have, have won comfortably. They're mm. training a lot more in comparison to the underage sides so up the north.
0: I think they've accepted. I think they've accepted mediocrity up there as well, where you still have. And Dan, we often have a joke about this. Like, even though it's not really funny, like, managers and, and players being on holidays during European games. And, like, the, the the playoffs for the European positions, I think, are on this weekend. And the, the European prize money is so huge there. But they're still looking at it as sort of a, like, a kind of a bonus. Whereas down here now, it's, it's huge.
2: Well, there has been some moves to go a bit more full-time with certain clubs over there. But, I mean, they're doing it. Half of the players being full-time, half of the players being not. There's, you know, which is a sort of a... It's, it's a hybrid type of thing that I'm not sure if that's necessarily it but um, I think we should I
0: think we should dedicate a show to this this year at some stage if we can but, but I think they have a the different, voices, different you know.
1: culture there as well I think it's more the culture of lower to non-league in England hmm. where after games the players are going into the pub and they're having a few points after yeah. games and I mean that was a big thing that I say. I, I was just going to th- talk about your. I was going to talk about your own journey, yeah, because yeah.
2: you 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 have experienced non-league football in England.
1: Yeah. So yeah, but I played in League Two. I played in the Conference, and I know after games in the Conference, at times we we were given half an hour in the players' lounge, and some lads would have six points in half an hour before they got <laughs> on the bus, and then a crate of beer would be brought onto the bus, and you'd six have your six points you in half an hour. I've seen some lads do more. <laughs> yeah, he's absolutely phenomenal. I wouldn't <laughs> yeah. for that anymore. But but I think there's that's that's. Professionalism, which even I noticed when I, when I came back playing here, it's it's a lot more professional in, in the League of Ireland than what it's what it's seen and what I've heard from up up the uh, north
2: of north. Yeah, your own so your own story, Derek is like you've had a you've had a a, a very varied career, as you said. You went over to Coventry. Uh, under Gordon's tracking right when that right, We yeah. started off so what was that 97 around yeah, that yeah 97,
1: 98 season uh, I when Robbie Keane thought, would have just come to the club he not many miles after yeah, that yeah my second season there he, he yeah. was signed from 6 million from Wolves Yeah, but they were a big big club in the Premier League that were finishing mid-table most seasons I think they were, all, they were once or twice before I signed I think they stayed up at the end of the, the last day of the season once or twice but for my period there there was some superstars at the club. It was it was really difficult to break in. We had an excellent U team. The reserve team were winning winning reserve mm. leagues, and I mean they were doing really well. Um, some of the players that were in the first team, it was you know you had Haji, Robbie Kane, Gary McAllister, Magnus Hedman, in Goal. Gary Brain from mm. from Ireland was playing centre back. Um, there were some great players at the club. Yeah.
2: So when it didn't quite happen for you there, you decided to to stay in England. You yeah. Know, you, and and what was your thinking at that point, or what was what was. You know, were you just desperate to stay in England at any cost, or what was your what was your mindset?
1: Yeah, no, it was at the time in in my into my third year at the at the club. I could see obviously you're too old to play in the the youth team. You're mm. playing in reserve team, but when it gets to the stage then, where you're finding it difficult, you, you know he's not eye marked me for the first team, and you can see that. You'd have to be stupid not to be able to see that when you're over there because you'll see a player maybe a year or two younger than you it's all of a sudden going ahead of you into a reserve team because they're earmarked that they possibly have yeah. the potential to play in the Premier League. And that, that's the way it works over there. It's a given. Um,
0: yeah, and I, Malby saw you playing against Kidderminster Harriers, was not
1: he? No, he was the manager of Obst- Kidderminster, yeah, but, yeah. so he saw you when you were playing against he, Kidderminster, yeah. Yeah, no, he, he would have saw me playing a, a reserve game um, for Kidderminster. And um, at one stage, myself and another player from a reserve league were invited to Kidderminster for a game. Um, I actually played a reserve game for Kidderminster, and um, we beat—I think it was Tamworth five-one in the game, and I scored a hat trick in the game. Right, and um, we he tried to get a deal done around that time, but um, it was difficult at the time with Coventry, with with the wage you were on to it. League Two club at the time. What um, sort of
0: money would you have been on at the peak in England? Without them? Like, was it?
1: It's it's decent money. I wouldn't <laughs> like to go into figures. It's not <laughs> something I've I've ever really discussed. But um, you're, you're earning very good money for a young player. You go over a seventeen. I mean, I did my leaving cert before I went over, so I signed a professional contract straight away. So you're going to earn more money than your parents were earning, all of a mm. sudden to go over there. Did as you a manage it well then,
0: or were you kind of like, oh, well, what can I do here? Yeah. Uh,
1: yes and no. Um, I think it's difficult when you're over there. I think I I bought a car for. I went in and bought a car for the like 18 grand cash over there the right, so it yeah. just turned 18 because you sort of have it and it's, it's, it's ridiculous when you, when you That fit in as well too
2: with the, the car park and well, the it, other players you know, and that, such you that,
1: that can be and you, like you say because you have the money and you're young and growing up you are probably wasn't used to having mm. that type of money and maybe the, the guidance wasn't there back then that possibly is there for some of the players now and I'm sure a number of players probably from my area have told you similar stories yeah um,
0: it's interesting then if you wanted to move to Kidderminster so you're like well you know, my money's well probably an awful lot less
1: it, it it was less but not significantly less okay. they were still uh, paid quite well they did um, and they were, they were full time they were in League 2 Jan Mulby was the manager they had some really good players at the club even when I signed um, Barry Horn was at the club remember from, yeah, from Everton, Everton. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. he was a central midfielder at the club God, but he must have been pushing on a bit yeah at he was, was coming he? right to the end of his career I think he was maybe 37 or so when, yeah. when, when, when I went but um, yeah listen it was great to go down the league the move didn't happen initially straight away and then I had one or two other offers I, I spoke to Bournemouth who were in um, this, at the equivalent of league one back yeah. then I spoke to Carlisle, and I spoke to Bristol Rovers so there was options for me to go to all of them clubs um, but living in the time I was living in the Midlands in Coventry and, and Kidderminster was about a one hour drive Right, and I was probably settled and, and comfortable in the Midlands at the time I had settled pretty well I felt but um, I was able to sign up I Kidderminster and for my first season at Kidderminster I drove every day because you yeah. leave at 8 o'clock in the morning half 8 you get there just after 9 and if you've only one session of the day you can be finished by half twelve, one o'clock and you're back home at by home. two o'clock. Yeah. So that that was the reason, and then at the time, and Jan Mul- Mulby was a pull. I grew up as a big Liverpool fan, and right. must have enjoyed um, last night. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Well, yeah. yeah. But like, but I think, and um, we were training last night at um, League Slip. That's where we trained with Longford. They and, won um, four 0 <laughs> what I heard, I heard, but um, we'd finished <laughs> at half eight. By the time we get in, it was half time and the second half was starting. And uh, it was only when we were there talking to myself, Neil and Jay, the goalkeeping coach were um Neil Fane, watching of the game a big Spurs. It'll be a big spur. Liverpool Spurs Liverpool face fan. off, yeah. yeah he's hoping, up. he's hoping that. Yeah. Most uh,
2: people the game the Spurs game is over by the time people listen to the show, John. So just uh, just to be clear of that, you know. Yeah. Who knows anyway? Um, yeah. what happened after Kidman? But then you, you played you then because you mean Nuneaton, Eaton, Green, Redditch, yep. so you, all Midlands go. Yeah, so I, I remember speaking to Connor Clifford before about the non league scene in England that he, he only went he was at conference level, but I think this is the same in Scotland and a lot of leagues that have established that you, you, there's still some very good players knocking around this yeah. circuit who, some of them might not want to be at a higher level. They, they might suit yeah. them, and you know, clubs might have more money at that level than some football league clubs. Or what type of characters or what type of players would you have met on that circuit? Um, what was your own when you when you situation? dropped down
1: to, to the conference? I, I went on loan for initially that Nuneaton for um, I think it was for a month initially, and I would played four or five games in the month near the end of the season. Uh, coming to the end of my contract at Kidderminster and they were a part-time team. They basically trained Tuesday, Thursday and they played a game on a Saturday. Right. Um, they had a number of players alone, myself and um, Sam Ricketts who ended oh, up yeah. having a really good career. He went on loan, we were on loan at the same time, for, he was at Swansea I think at the time. Yeah. Um, And you're playing with lads that are coming off a building site to go to training, you have lads that are in offices, you have lads that, there was some physiotherapists, there was lads that were ex-pros like Terry Angus who played at um, Fulham and Mm-hmm. A number of clubs you had you had lots of ex-pros and you had then again you had some young players that had come through the non-league levels that got to a high level at non-league and broke through and had careers at that level and made decent money from training on a Tuesday training on a Thursday i playing games on a Saturday. Yeah, they I need were happy out with that. Job. So yeah. But yeah, some of them were, yeah. Mm.
2: And what was your own situation? Were you full-time throughout all your time in England or were you doing yeah, no, other for stuff the last the
1: end of it? For the last three years in the, in the conference, I was, I was six years full-time and then for the last three years I was basically at the equivalent of what I was training on a Tuesday or Thursday. Um, that was it. Ended up in the Conference North. And, yeah. um,
0: were you working on part time then? Or? No,
1: I, it was it was actually still well enough paid. Like we would get an envelope, stuff for cash every Saturday, and there were some players earning, <laughs> Yeah, yeah, there were some players that might have been earning a smaller amount. But if you'd come from the league or a decent level of football, you got quite well looked after. Yeah. What yeah. did you do um, in
0: your spare time then? Is?
1: Uh, all sorts. Um, no, it, it was difficult. Like I used to just train. I'd go to the gym. I'd do different things, but. You, you say that then and we'd finish training on Tuesday at that level and after you finish training, the lads would go up to the bar and have a pint <laughs> before mm-hmm. they go home. Yeah, yeah. Same on the Saturday after games and it, it was a different sort of level. It got to the stage then. I had um, young son at the time when I was playing at that level and it was just before he was due to go to school and I was sort of looking at where am I going and did I come over here to play at the level of Conference North and at the time I said I didn't. And, yeah. um, obviously at the time here... Everything was going very well in the league, and players were getting played quite well. It's around 2007 or
2: so, Yeah, this, was it was, that yeah. That time, so yeah.
1: I'd made contact with a few um, people around the end of 2006, just letting them know that I was thinking of coming back at the start of the following season. And um had I've had a few offers then to come back and that's when I actually signed him with Longford when Alan Matthews was the manager back at the start yeah. of two thousand and seven.
2: Wow. So like I mean we're not gonna go through your whole League of Ireland career, but you you had a a good career at a few different clubs and now it's going to come full circle to some degree that you're back at Longford. So yeah. and and your relationship with Neil Fennis, was he someone you'd met in football anywhere along the way or how did this come yeah, about? No, he
1: would have been someone obviously I'd played against over the years with the number of clubs he was yeah. at from Bowes to Dundalk to Rovers and um, all the clubs he was at, but but um, what actually happened, how we got to know each other very well, was um, when Neil set up his company, Path to Pro Pat Soccer Path Pro, because you're
2: involved with that as well, are yeah,
1: you? Yeah. So he he'd set that up. I think it was 2014, and it was had been open about six months or so, and it was it was just starting to grow. When um, his partner at the time was Mac Greg, who I knew very well from playing with, and um, he'd mentioned to him that just used to get Darren to do a bit with some of the lads because he knew I'd been started doing my badges, and I've been coaching school boys clubs. Since I moved back to Ireland in 2008, um, and obviously working with kids, yeah, so um, he got me in working then. So I've been doing coaching with Pat the Pro for the last probably five years, five and a half years, I suppose, and um, so we've got to know each other through then. It's
0: interesting mm-hmm. you had your eye on coaching from a very early age Then, if in 2008 already you were coaching kids.
1: Yeah, no, that's right. But my son was born in 2003, so I, I actually still coach his team as well. Even now I coach an under-16 team Where's as that? well. Where's that? Where, what, um, what they were a Swords team. They're actually all a uh, Phoenix FC now, so oh, they're yeah. um, okay. under-16s and... Actually, they're a very good side. They're in the DDSL, and we've had two or three players actually get moves to English clubs this summer. Right. Um, so they're, they're a really good side. And um, I do two, three nights a week with them, on top of the three nights a week uh, at Longford, plus a bit of coaching at the Pro on a Saturday morning. So you're keeping busy, so. Yeah, my whole case. time is filled with, with basically coaching, and that's been the case probably for the last five to six years. Right, yeah, yeah, it's interesting.
0: Keith, Keith Long and Trevor Crawley work well, um, obviously, and they're always called a partnership. And um, I suppose it'd be friendly enough to draw the lads, Tim Clancy and... Um, Kevin Doherty. Um, Kevin Doherty, but what the two of you, are you kind of similar? Are you different? How do you get on together?
1: Uh, we, we get on very well. Obviously, everyone knows Neil's playing style. He likes the team to play attractive football. Um, and I think Neil, when he, when he got the job at Longford... Um, I was player coach at Cabin Teeley and I had a contract till the end of that season. Um, He went in, I think Gary was with him for the end of that season. Gary Cron is mm. now um, with Bray. And when that season came to an end, he'd approached me and asked me, would I be interested in going in as his number two as assistant? And listen, I was more than happy to do so. I was 37 at the end of that season. um, And I felt it was time for me to go on to a new challenge and a new role. Um, I suppose my, my outlook and my view on football is I do like football to be played the correct way I like it to be played at a high intensity I like us to win the ball back very quickly mm. um, Has
0: that been a feature with Long for this season because uh, you're obviously not conceding goals which must be a lot to do with the fact that um, opposition aren't really creating that many chances against you as well, as well as Stacey playing well but is this a high press game that you're playing?
1: We, we do I mean it's something that we work on a lot in training and if anyone came down and watched their sessions a lot of it is just keeping the ball we want to keep the ball we want to own the ball we want to be in charge of the game but we also want to be on the flip side of that we know we're going to make mistakes we're going to make mistakes so it's important how quickly we can get the ball back and how close we have players to the ball to be in a position where they can get it back
0: Do players enjoy that aspect of football where you're like chasing like a lunatic to get the ball back the high press do players enjoy that because they don't have the ball
1: Well, I think you have to enjoy doing that because the end result is you get the ball back and if you're then in a position where you've worked on how are we going to keep the ball, where are we going to move, do we have to go back then to go across, to go forward? You're working the opposition, and it's harder for them if you're a team that plays a good brand of football that keeps the ball. Now, we're not sure, we've, but we've played teams this year that, that have looked to press us, that have looked to put two up, that have looked to press in midfield and I think good players make good decisions most of the time and I don't think I can coach that or any coach can, can coach that so it might be the case that when you see me or being pressed very high you might then pass through midfield into a front player and then what happens is you're, the rest of the team will face up and look to join in so that's something that we've probably done more this season in comparison to last season I think we probably tried to play with too much last season Yeah, because I, I was going to say
0: that Yeah, have you just gotten a bit more ruthless maybe with
1: Yeah, I think so and but we've probably learned like I say Neil will tell you he's but I suppose nearly two years. This summer, in, in the management job, I'm at a year a year at Cabanterius player coach, and a year and a half with him. And I think, like in any job, you think you'll get better at it the more you do it, the more you play, the more games you manage. That you see, well, how are we going to work this? How are we going to manage this? And I think it's it's a result of saying, well, what do we need to do to get results? Because at the end of the day, it this season is about us doing really well at Longford and trying to get promoted. And no. if we need to change our playing style slightly to sometimes think teams are going to put that much pressure on us that we have to play maybe over them to then go around them. It's, it's just being able to mix our game up, I think that's been good for us this year.
0: They're doing phenomenally well, Dan, 24 points from 10 yeah, games. Yeah, and
2: they've not Cavantini the weekend. So that's going to be on, on Saturday. And hopefully, hopefully there's a good response from the Longford area to that as well. We should talk a bit about the Premier Division weekend as well, John, the, the Premier Division weekend that was. Do
0: you want to reflect on Neil Horgan then um, and the and the John Caulfield change and the 1-0 win? Uh.
2: Yeah, well, we were both at that game on Friday. Like, it wasn't a classic, to, be, to say the least. Yeah. I think um, my frustration about Friday would have been the pitch, actually, the playing surface, which at the moment was dreadful, you know. And um, obviously, it's a, that's a council-owned ground now, in the same way as the South Dublin County Council run Talent now, obviously, you know what Bowes the deal is renovating the stadium and maybe so you know having the place in tip top shape now may maybe not be the, the, the ultimate priority but, Jesus didn't help the game on Friday at all. You
0: can take for granted as well the Bowes have like uh, they've great support this season but people will not turn up consistently if the games are that, as was, bad that as was that was a hard
2: hard game to watch. Now I think I game. think from Cork's perspective it was great it was back to basics to a degree. McCormick did a very good job and Danny Mandreu, um and for all that Bowes. Them. you know, had a fair bit of the ball in the second half. They didn't necessarily create too many chances, chances. So I think sort of Cork were, I think Cork probably deserved the win, even if they frustrated the hell out of the Bowers crowd that were there and they ran the clock and, you know, they, they were cynical, but who cares? They they have to win a you game. Know, they have exact, to win a game. Like, yeah. and, and I'm sure there, you've been in those situations where you just need to win. And like, as much as you want to do things in a certain way, if, if the team's at a low ebb, you could just see the experience coming through in that match and you just you just grind out the result. Yeah, you know? I think
1: it was massive for them that they, they did get something out of that game. And like I say, Bows have been on a great run. for So for them to go there and, and get their first win in a lot of games, I mean, it was great for them. And when you're at that stage of a season with a club and things aren't going well for you, you will try and do anything. Mm. To get things right, and if that means you're running down the clock, if that means you're slowing it down when the ball goes out of play, if that means you might have to show a bit of gamesmanship throughout the game, there are little things that have to be done to get results at the end of the day. Yeah, and like, Chile's
0: a player as well that's going to, I think, grow now. He was very good, he was okay.
1: And um,
2: you know, like Cork still has said, still they still have some excellent players, you know, and they probably they haven't done enough this year, but whatever happens with that change and that bounce, and um Just different voices. It just it just happens that something has run its course. I think and Healy and Bennett. Healy and Bennett are, are, come in, but also no. I think I listened to John Cotter last week as well. Speaking, I wouldn't undersell him either in the sense that like he's he's he seems to be a confident enough fella, has his own ideas as well, and he's not he's not he's a low profile player. and It's easy to then just downplay his his role just because the, 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 these two legends maybe have come in below, but. um you know how things pan out in the longer term, I don't know. I must say it was interesting listening. I listened to Declan Carey, the chairman on, on Red FM, and did make the point that the budget cut this year was only four percent, five percent from last year. And maybe you would have listened to some interviews from John Coughlin would've got left the impression it was twenty, twenty five percent. In fact, you know, also did say that the budget now is significantly higher than the budget they won the league with in twenty seventeen. So John Sullivan had an um, interesting article on that. John Sullivan's piece, exactly. So I mean mistakes were made maybe in terms of the previous board and, and uh, the, the base that was set and money was wasted, but look at that's they can only deal with what they where they are now, and uh, where they are now is they're home to Eustody on Friday, and let's see what sort of public comes out.
0: But and he again, worries an in inchy core in the sense of um, I was I was talking to a Pat's fan, very very unhappy with the results of lace uh, the other day, three 0 at home to Watford.
2: Yeah, that's it's not a good result. Um, crowd is a bit disappointing as well, and then certainly they've lost that. The buzz seems to have gone a bit there. Yeah. I mean, I think, but part of that though as well, it does show that um, if you don't have the facilities at the stadium, then you are very much reliant on results, and if results start to struggle, in a way that um, other other grounds, you know, um, have a buzz that's keeping people in as well. But like, yeah, I, I mean, they just they're a bit they they're a bit inconsistent, Pat's and and.
0: I mean, Kept him for a long time after the game. What have you made of them, they've Dara? They've won six did? and lost six, so that's, mm. that's
2: the definition of inconsistent, yeah. you
1: know. What
0: yeah. have you made of them, Dara, so far? And Walford as well, it was like three goals, smash and grab second half by talented players up front.
1: Yeah, no, I, I watched the goals, I've seen the highlights of the game, and like I say, I think they gave the ball away sloppily in midfield and, and they got punished for it. Like, I think they're still possibly trying to play an expansive game. He's mixed it up a bit this year with playing lads who have played fullback for years as wing-backs. And that's probably left a bit of space at the back. They do have some good players and there's, it's been a poor start from. for them, let's be, let's be honest. I think everyone was expecting them to challenge, especially with bringing Chris Forrester back and some of the players that they've brought in. And it, it probably just hasn't happened as yet. I think, like you say, we 12 games in with six and six and they need to... They yeah. need to get back to winning ways pretty quickly. I think.
2: Yeah, I mean, do you actually see much Premier Division? I'm just thinking from your own perspective. You're if you're playing away from home on a Friday, then you're at a game. If you're on Saturday, are you on scouting? Do you on a Friday watching someone yeah. else, or so you don't? but you don't see that much Premier Division, maybe no, on Monday and, game and, and I
1: think un, until I finished at Drawhead, I think it was 2014, and I went to Shelburne, who were in the first Division in my last couple of seasons before Cabin Sealy. I wouldn't have known much about the the first Division, but now basically I know every single player. What, what foot they are what they're good at what they're bad at through our scouting reports we have uh, opposition analysis this season we go to a lot of games ourselves we yeah. play on Saturdays at home so it gives us time to go and watch teams so I'd know way more now about the first division you than you would, about the, than I would about the Premier division yeah. because at the, at the minute we need to do we need to know what we have to know to get out of this league and and I think that stands That's to us that, that we need to do that now yeah of course I still know a general amount I still speak to certain players and, and obviously I keep an eye on it but the important thing for me is the first division. At the yeah, moment of course, that's and, natural. And that has to be.
2: That's natural. I mean, I mean the dog Jerry last week, John, it was a bit of a dramatic turnaround in mean, that game. The dog were two it up and to, to, sm- to throw away position to control. But as it happened, they didn't lose any ground. I the, mean, game, fin, the game, the game. Finn Harps beat UCD on, which is a significant result, and we'll probably grinch that next week. That you know, Finn Harps have have closed the gap because Harps aren't playing this week. Quick, quick
0: mention on that. On that, um, Keith Cowan's pass for McAleer's Mac, uh, first goal. Yes. Yeah, R- outside of the, but well, he's a like, player you probably know well like, from First yeah, Division Watch, right, and yeah. he's, he's
2: stepped up this uh, year at times and seems to have done quite well. Um,
0: Harps looked like they could play a bit above. It was a great goal, and like to play to play that pass out of the back. It was a bit like a ball Trent Alexander-Arnold played last night. But, like fair play to Harps, they've made it very interesting all of a sudden. And so like, yeah, um, and then, then Rovers. And like Rovers. What can Shamrock you say about Rovers? this game? Shamrock
2: Rovers lost three, three and four. I know that there's, there's there's circumstances and like you know in each each game in isolation you had the mad derby you had the injury crisis and then you have two great strikes last week but the fact is they've still lost three and four when they were in a position where they were in control and it was interesting because I was
0: talking to one of their fans who said it was their worst performance of the season but Bradley afterwards was praising the performance and he just said well we're beaten by two worldies yeah
2: like he wasn't wasn't uh burdening Sligo Rovers with praise anyway that's for sure But
0: great uh, to see the left back doing so well for the 17s as well uh, young Bulls James, Furn- James, Furlong. James um, Furlong playing both games in the group stages
2: talented player yeah so um, it, it throws it right, right open I mean I said with Bowes losing with the top the top clubs all dropping points effectively so
0: um,
1: who do you fancy to win the league there I, I don't think you can look past them Doc. I think their, their run of recent has been very good they've got really key players back into the team and I can't see anyone but Dundalk in the league, to be honest with you. No. I think um, Rovers will push them. I think Bowes will be there or thereabouts, but I possibly could see them dropping off a little bit in some games, um, whether they've got the overall depth. I know they changed players over the, the Bank Holiday weekend the last time, mm. but I think when you look at the quality of the players in Dundalk and Rovers squad, I, t- I think it is a, a level above everybody else.
0: Yeah, bring, bring us on to this weekend's games as well, because um, Dundalk are at Bows without... Um without the Hovenator yeah good, Yeah, Georgie Kelly gets a chance big to chance shine. for Georgie Kelly George, presumably he said, he will start Clare you would have watched yeah, the first division level play against him I guess yeah a, number, yeah a
1: number of times yeah he's a very very good centre forward um, I think if he'd gone to any other club he would have been playing more regularly it's just the fact that hoban has been so good mm. he's scored so many goals and the, the formation and the style that Dundalk played, there is only one centre forward that's being picked and I think the way he's playing he's picking himself but he's, he's a very, very talented player and I, I think he'll easily be able to step in there and, and, and fill the void left by him.
2: Yeah, I mean if the dog win that game they go top with no games in hand they mm-hmm. are top of the table so there's an incentive for them but for Bowes as well they have to bounce back, I just hope the pitch is in better shape because that's got the potential to be a very good game was obviously are a bit sore over how they were very hard done by the last time they played Dundalk by all accounts but I just hope that that game like delivers on the potential that it has, you know, and uh, that's
0: entirely pitch related. Isn't it's
2: it? not. It's not entirely pitch related. It will be a good game otherwise. But it could. It could be a very good game. Mm-hmm. But then, yeah, Cork UCD. Let's see what crowd turns out. Barry Pats.
0: Just on Cork UCD, UCD, I'd expect Cork to win this game. UCD are in in real real um, trouble. Presuming they lose this, um, we were talking to Gary O'Neill about. You could target a top four. I think they've lost nearly every game since.
2: They have ever since they beat Cork the last time. I think they've lost every game. So. That's a challenge for them. Yeah, Derry-Pats, it's a European battle, potentially, the way the season is shaping up. And then Waterford, Sligo, Rovers. In fairness, Sligo have picked up a bit. Um, that win was big for them. They've, they've just started to... They've actually pulled away from that scenario where you maybe thought that Sligo Rovers and UCD could be in a playoff battle or in a broader battle. They've they've done well. Now, First Division, yeah, Friday, we've got Drauda against Limerick. Shells at Lone, Wexford against Cove. On Saturday, as we say, at the top of the table, Longford... Cabentini clash. I mean, Daryl have you seen? I mean, have you. Just want to mention the results from last week. As oh, well. we should, yeah.
0: Limerick won, Brain ill. Uh, fascinating game there. drawden nil Longford won. Um, heard you didn't have many chances, but just nicked us.
1: Yeah, no, it's, it's one of those. It, there probably wasn't loads of clear cut chances from either side. Um, Playing
0: but, like champions, then.
1: Yeah, I mean, the lads have been winning great Winning habits us, and especially. all of that, you know? Yeah, well, like, you, like you say, we've conceded two goals. We haven't been defeated as yet. Um, we look to keep that going. I think the lads at ourselves are very proud of what we've achieved so far and we know it's gonna take hard so work. So someone like Connor
2: Kenna as a Premier Division winner, just to have someone like that as a presence must help in terms of the slog that you get into, the title race that you're getting into.
1: Yeah, He's no he, he is definitely. But we've we've got a number of players. You have Dean Zambra, the captain in the middle of the side, is also a very experienced player at both levels from premier to first division. Uh, we have Aaron Dobbs who's coming up front mm. and he's, I know he probably hasn't hit the ground running as a guard. he's missed a few games with injuries but I see him as a centre forward of massive potential. Um, I feel our squad is excellent, we've we've got a cover for players in every position and I think when you look at one or two other teams they maybe haven't got the depth that, that we possibly have so i mean, really looking forward to the remainder of the season and hoping that the boys and ourselves can really kick on and continue doing what we're doing.
0: Chubby be noted now, your game in hand is against Goal United who've... Uh hit a bit of form, beating Wexford 2-0, two wins yeah, out of three.
2: Tilly beat Shells,
1: Kevin
0: Tilly beat 1-0 Kevin beat 1-0. Apparently had nearly one shot on goal, but uh, did took the it. job. At and uh, Cove and won. So yeah, the, yeah, the weekend yeah, games that we mentioned. At so. Lowen won, Cove won. Um, yeah, so we've only four games this weekend. Interesting. Dara, thanks very much for coming in and um, best luck at the, the end season with, uh, with Longford.
1: No problem at all. Thanks very uh, much, that's and
0: thanks very much for Neil Fane. And maybe we'll get to talk about Neil Horgan, John. Neil, Neil, Neil Horgan. Horgan. Neil <laughs> Fame is on my mind Neil Fame on your mind um, yeah maybe we'll get to talk about the All-Ireland League over the next uh, month or so all the best but there are limits to your life